Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And welcome to Resistance Chronicle. What'd you think? That was awesome. So we had a conversation with a gentleman named Aaron Day. Aaron Day, I gave him his introduction in the episode. We talked a lot about cryptocurrency. We talked about why this particular coin, Ravencoin, which is an offshoot of uh, Bitcoin, is Bitcoin 3.0. He gets into it. He gets into it pretty good, and I had a blast doing it. And I finally have a general understanding now of how you know cryptocurrency actually yeah, works. Yeah, so he's he very a lot good of at someone that doesn't know very much of anything about it. Really helped me understand. Yeah, I'm gonna push this video out everywhere because I think this is probably the, one of the one of the best episodes we've done. Ten episodes. Congratulate us. All right, we're going into our awesome intro song. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. And the editors of great newspapers, such as yours, owe a common obligation to the people. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. Where are you people? On dope? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. All right, we're recording. So, everybody, welcome to the Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And today we have a super special guest, um, Aaron Day. Uh, Aaron's a uh, liberty-loving, freedom-promoting, small-business-supporting, crypto-believing, self-described serial entrepreneur. Not only does he talk the talk, he walks the walk. He made his way into the live free or die state via the Free State Project. It's a group um, that promotes the migration of liberty-loving people uh, to, re to, to promote the migration of liberty-loving people to come and, and move to New Hampshire. Um, in 2018, he took a stab at the gubernatorial race um, as the Libertarian candidate, uh, served as chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus New Hampshire and the Free State Project. Um, and, and also was a 2016 candidate for uh, Senate. Um, as an entrepreneur, he's seen firsthand what big government oversight and authoritarian overreach can do to a profitable business. He's carving out his name, uh, or he's carving out a name for himself in the crypto space. And um, yeah, he's made time to, to talk to us and, and talk about why uh, Ravencoin is Bitcoin 3.0. Welcome to Resistance Chronicle, Aaron. First, I want to thank you. You're here for our 10th episode, so this is kind of a milestone for us. Yeah, thank you. We we made it above the seven-episode seven average, and uh, awesome. yeah, we're above that now, so yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so so I guess um, I, I would... I would uh, terrific. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a lag. Uh, I don't know if it's on your end or our end. I don't know why. Hold on one second. We're gonna see if we can get rid of this lag. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, all right, that's even better. All right, perfect. So I think I just had to reset the connection. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I guess first things first, I'm a super crypto newbie. So is he. No idea about it. I own, I own several coins and I guess we should start at the beginning because the, the one thing that's really on my mind about, about crypto is what is blockchain? Is crypto the right word for it? Is it, I've heard once that it's Bitcoin and um, um, uh, it's all considered Bitcoin. And then there's just other coins that are associated and you call them by their, 
their names that are out there on, on the exchanges. And it's, it's really, it's not crypto, it's Bitcoin. What's your take on that? What, what kind of like 101 before we jump into this can, can you give us? Well, there are a lot of different flavors of, of cryptocurrency and blockchains and a lot of different approaches. The, the first one was Bitcoin. Um, and, and Bitcoin's been around since, uh, since kind of 2009 time period after the financial crisis. It really was uh, developed. There was a white paper written by somebody named Satoshi Nakamoto. No one really knows for sure who came up with Bitcoin. They use this name, Satoshi Nakamoto, and he outlined in this paper how this blockchain system will work. And basically, it was a, a system for having money that you could send person to person, peer to peer, without having to have a third party in between. So it basically solves the problem that we have right now with our corrupt banking system, where we have this Federal Reserve that prints money uh, to no end and isn't even audited. And the more you learn about how actual money works, you realize that it's a complete scam. And so this was a system that using um, cryptography by solving complicated math problems and, and setting it up so that you have miners, uh, which are basically people that have computers trying to solve these math problems. And the first one to solve it um, actually will take a, a, a block of transactions and get it into the blockchain and store it permanently in the blockchain. And so then everybody else gets a, the same copy of that, of that ledger with all of those transactions. And so that, that was what Bitcoin came up with. There are something like, I, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of different coins now and cryptocurrencies. A lot of them are, are forks of Bitcoin where they use Bitcoin as their core code base. It's basically a copy of Bitcoin, but then with changes and modifications made to it. And then there's another thing called Ethereum. I don't know if you've heard of Ethereum. Ethereum was basically started out as a copy of Bitcoin. In fact, Vitalik, who created Ethereum, wanted to build what are called smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. But the developers, the core development team from Bitcoin said, no, we won't allow you to do that. And so he said, fine, I'll just start my own coin. And so he created Ethereum. And so there are, what Ethereum allows you to do is create your own tokens on top of Ethereum. So when you see a list of coins, a lot of these are just tokens that are created on top of Ethereum. So you, you, there's more things that are kind of based off of Ethereum than even Bitcoin at this point. And then everything is forked. And so now there are like multiple versions of, of this and it's, it's really hard, like Dogecoin is a fork of, of Bitcoin. And so uh, it's really gotten uh, all over the place with people experimenting with different, different algorithms and different takes on, on the, the blockchain concept. All right. Okay. So, so Dogecoin then, because I was going to talk about that with you, um, just because it seems to be in that same price range as, as Raven, and it seems to be getting a lot of attention. Like, it, I don't know if it's just because Raven coin, I'm, I'm following it, that I'm seeing it get so much attention. So Doge, that's actually a, a, an offshoot of, of Bitcoin, not Ethereum. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I believe it's an offshoot of Bitcoin. What's your take on that whole thing? Do you think it's just like one kind of kind of giant psyop to, to pump this thing up? Or does it have anything to do with the whole GameStop thing? And I'm not sure he would even think. I, I, it, it, I, I, I'm not a, a Dogecoin fan. Okay. I think a lot of people from that ultimately because it's not used. He stopped developing on Dogecoin like three years ago. So there's no new innovation. Nobody's building anything 
on top of Dogecoin. It's literally just a copycat coin that nobody uses. I actually saw an article today that the founder of Dogecoin sold all of the coins that he had that today would be worth something, a couple of billion dollars. He sold it for an amount that you could buy a, a used Honda Civic for uh, several years back. And he's been out of Dogecoin. So to give you a sense of where this project is. So I think it's just kind of a meme or whatever that Elon Musk has decided to jump onto and um, I, the price has gone down, but but you know you mentioned the price is similar to Ravencoin. Well, it is and it isn't. There are a lot more coins. You have to multiply how many coins are by the price of the coin. So Dogecoin is worth something like seven or $8 billion. If you multiply the number of coins outstanding by the price, the total value of Dogecoin is like $8 billion, whereas Ravencoin is 400 million. So it's a massive difference, even though the price per coin is very similar, because this is one of the other problems with Dogecoin. It's almost like fiat currency. It's almost like the U.S. dollar. There's an infinite amount of supply. There are 10,000 new Dogecoin created every either minute or 10 minutes. I can't remember which one it is, but there's no cap. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be an infinite supply of Dogecoin. So the fact that people keep on buying into this and driving the price up, that, that doesn't really work if... There's an infinite amount. You need to have a fixed supply of something for it to have value or otherwise, I mean, it literally is just a, it's a Ponzi. It's an absolute Ponzi. Unless there's something going on that no one's aware of where there's some team with hundreds of millions of dollars that's doing some R&D and they have some real big plan to use it. Unless there's something that no one in the world knows about, it's it's actually just a Ponzi scheme. So. All right, wow, incredible. So then I guess that brings us into uh, Ravencoin. Um, what makes a Bitcoin 3.0? Actually, what, what's your, do you have some sort of involvement with Ravencoin? I know you own an actual particular silver coin and you, you do a lot of promoting it on, uh, on, on Twitter. And, and yeah, you, you seem like you're, you're pretty much like an influencer in the space of, of Ravencoin. I, I'm just so, oh, Ravencoin is an open source project. So there's no formal organization behind it. So it was started as a, an open source project is a fork of Bitcoin, but it has an interesting story and interesting ties to the Liberty community. And the, the reason I'm attracted to Ravencoin, because as you mentioned at the beginning, I've been involved with politics, I've been involved with the Free State Project and everything else, and I've, I've given up on politics. I, I don't think you can fix this. It doesn't matter which way you go at it, which party or, or whatever. It, the, the system is, it's broken. It's systemically broken and corrupt, and you don't fix that. Yeah, you've been, uh, what, been working with it, so you, you know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah good to hear. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it's beyond frustrating. It's just, it's beyond frustrating. But what uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency does is it, it actually, if you think about the, the miracle of Bitcoin, it's that for, for once in human history, there's a separation of money and state. So this is an actual currency that people use globally yeah. that's not tied to a government that's taxing people and debasing and printing the currency. It's literally, it's a global phenomenon that no one owns, that's completely decentralized, completely censorship resistant. So this is, this is as big of a shift in human history as the United States being formed and having a constitution that enumerates, you know, that, that, that protects people's rights. That was a huge, well, I mean, the Magna Carta before that, but the constitution was a huge uh, level up for, for humanity. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are that to the next level because it, it really separates money from state. And 
Ravencoin was started, um, the, the white paper was, was co-written by a guy named Bruce Fenton and Tron Black. Bruce Fenton is also in New Hampshire. He's a member of the Free State Project and he's been involved in stocks and equities. And he was actually on the Bitcoin Foundation. He was the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation for a number of years. So he's right at this intersection of, of how capital markets work and then how Bitcoin works. And so the whole idea behind Ravencoin is what Bitcoin does for money, Ravencoin does for assets. So it allows you to tokenize and create tokens for any kind of asset, stocks, bonds, land, art. You could use Ravencoin. In fact, there's a rumor that there's one or more countries considering creating their country's currency, digital currency on Ravencoin by creating a token on Ravencoin that they can then use and distribute as their currency within their own country. That's just one of the applications. The primary application that Ravencoin was designed for was, was stocks. There's, there are things that are built into how Ravencoin works to make it easy and better for, uh, for creating shares and distributing shares and, and handling that whole process. Um, Bruce Fenton actually met a guy, are you familiar with Patrick Byrne? No. Patrick's the CEO of Overstock. Dot com. Okay. And, and Overstock was the first major retailer in the world to take Bitcoin. Okay. And, and what Patrick Byrne realized, and, and Patrick is a really interesting guy. He has like, you wouldn't know this thinking about Overstock.com, but he went to uh, the University of Cambridge. He went to Dartmouth and he got a PhD in the constitution from Stanford. So that is an interesting, like he is, he is really hardcore on ter in terms of libertarian philosophy. You wouldn't know that you know, seeing like overstock.com commercials. But when he saw Bitcoin, he said, wait a minute, there's a lot more that you can do with this technology than just having digital cash. You can fix what Byrne found was a problem with the way Wall Street works and a lot of the corruption with Wall Street. People have no idea that when you buy shares on Wall Street, when you buy a stock in a publicly traded company, you don't own that share. No one ever gives you a physical stock certificate. There's one company called DTCC that literally owns and holds all of the stock certificates for all the publicly traded companies. And in fact, when Hurricane Sandy happened, uh, whatever it was, eight, eight years ago or so, mm -hmm. uh, their building uh, in New York on Wall Street was flooded. And there were uh, something like a billion stock certificates that were that were underwater, like literally physically underwater, representing over a trillion dollars worth of assets that they had to go in and fix and like draw and, and figure out how to solve the problem of having physical stock certificates underwater. That's how your public stock markets work. Mm -hmm. Like you, you it, it's actually hard to believe that there are ulti there's ultimately their physical shares being traded and it actually takes two days for your stock purchase to actually settle. So it's called T plus two. So what Patrick said was, well, wait, this whole idea of a blockchain is it's a ledger. It's a ledger that doesn't change. When you record these transactions on this blockchain, they're verified by all of these computers all over the world. And there's a permanent record. There's a permanent audit trail. Whereas the stock market right now deals with paper stock certificates. And there are a lot of other fraudulent things that, that are done on Wall Street. And so Patrick said, well, we can apply these, you know, this technology to this problem. And that's part of how Ravencoin was started. So it was using Bruce Fenton's understanding of 
both Bitcoin and how the, the market works. And they came up with basically the underlying protocol for Ravencoin, which allows you to create these tokens uh, without having to do any programming that where, where you can trade these tokens on the blockchain and have a complete audit trail, but it's quick, efficient, and no programming is required. And so that's essentially the beauty of, of what Ravencoin is. It's, uh, it broke five cents today. Um, it did. Do you think that's a, like a, a wall being lifted? I was trying to go through some of the tweets that, that were online, trying to understand it a little more and, and, and see where it's going. But it's the one. So I got into XRP and I got into XRP because there was a lot of chatter online during the um, pandemic in March and last year that XRP is supposed to be based off of the gold standard and XLM, which is stellar lumens, is supposed to be based off of silver. So I, I went in on those. And, and then what ended up happening was um, XRP ended up getting you know shut off by Coinbase, Binance, and, and, and all that stuff. And, and honestly, I kind of lost my train of thought right now uh, about where I was going with this. Um, well, well I, I, will, I will speak to that, that whole point about XRP being delisted. And this is something that Ravencoin took a lot of care and consideration when putting it together. I mentioned in the beginning, it's an open source project. There were a lot, there was a, there was a big bull run in 2017 where cryptocurrencies went went absolutely nuts. And I don't know if you were paying attention at that point a few years back, but this is when Ethereum and everything. And there were all these things called ICOs, which were basically initial coin offerings where right. people were selling these tokens and raising tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars with no product, no revenue, nothing. And they were illegal under securities laws. The, the SEC requires that you, you know, actually disclose risk factors. And there's a, there's a whole set of processes that you have to do. So most of these tokens that were created in the 2017 time period, many of them were fraudulent. Ripple may be one of them. And that's what, the, and that's what the issue is right now. And that's why Ripple was delisted from, coin, uh, from Coinbase and from others, because Ripple or XRP raised a ton of money. Mm -hmm. and, and so arguably they should have had to comply with all of the paperwork, put together all of the risk factors, warned everybody about what the risks were that involved the very specific protocols that you have to go through. They didn't do it. Neither did most of the coins that you see when you see listed by, by market cap. Bitcoin never raised any money. It was just a white paper and it was open source technology that was, that was released to the world at, you know, where everybody could get in when it was released at the point of launch. Nobody could get an inside advantage. Uh, nobody, you know, no fundraise. Ravencoin was the same way. I mean, literally it was, it was launched the same way. Uh, you could start mining it. Everybody could start mining Ravencoin on the same day. Nobody had, was mining it in advance, which is what's happened with, you know, with Ethereum and a lot of these other types. A lot of the coins that you see there, I, I don't know about Stellar. I haven't looked into that. But anybody that did an ICO is at risk. The SEC literally could pull the plug. And, and the thing is, people go to jail for securities fraud, yeah, securities I, violations. I, I don't think XLM or, or, or Stellar is, is one of them. But yeah, I know for a fact that, that um, XRP was. And I remember where I was going with this. When, when I was looking into XRP, I would see so much information that was like good information and everybody's talking it up and it's going to moon, it's going to moon. And that's one of the buzzwords that I hear in the crypto community is talking about, you know, something gonna, is going to move. 
But then on the other side, I would see people saying, you're absolutely crazy if you even want to put a dime into XRP. And it seems like at this point in time, it, it, the, those people are the ones that were right. Now, when I go and I do, I look up Ravencoin and I, I look at people's tweets and I go to the, the Ravencoin website and I, I look at the, um, I, I, I took a read through the white paper. Um, it, it's all Greek to me when I read it. Um, but I, I don't hear any of that negative chatter that I heard about XRP and a little bit about XLM with Ravencoin. It seems like everybody who's into this wholeheartedly believes in it and thinks that with, within the next couple of months, this thing is, is going to skyrocket and just be something great. I, I think that's, that's the case. And again, I, I got involved in it. I, nobody, paid, nobody gets paid by Ravencoin. I, I, it literally just is at the intersection of, of everything that I believe in as, as an entrepreneur and politically and from a liberty perspective and everything else. All of it aligns because it is about decentralization and about censorship resistance. It's, it's even in the way that the coins are mined. So right now, uh, I mean, it used to be in the very early days, you could mine uh, Bitcoin from your personal computer. I mean, you could actually use your CPU. You didn't even need like a high-end graphics card to do the calculations. Now, the only people that can do mining have to buy specialized equipment to try to solve these math problems. And so it's only large corporate players that are mining Bitcoin. And the way that it works is there's one specific algorithm that Bitcoin uses when you're solving these math problems. And so somebody just came along and said, well, we'll, we'll design a processor that's sole function is just to solve that math problem. And so now you have these factories and I, I've got some videos of them where it's just like, I mean, you see tens of thousands of these processors and, and these like huge like factories trying to solve, solve Bitcoin. One of the things Ravencoin said early on is, well, we want to be decentralized. So instead of having one algorithm, it's like 16 different algorithms and it randomly changes the order in which the algorithms run and try to solve these math problems, which means you can't, it's very hard to design a piece of hardware. What this means is anybody with a, a graphics GPU, graphics processor, can become a miner for Ravencoin. So we have over 100,000 graphics cards across the globe processing and doing mining. And, and, and it really is kind of, I call it, it's the people's coin because it's very decentralized. I think over half of the mining power for Bitcoin is now in China. Bit, uh, Ravencoin is much more decentralized. I mean, you, we have miners in, in over 38 countries and no one country is doing more than 50% of the mining. And so for me, that, that's appealing from the standpoint of the decentralization and the censorship resistance. Because again, a, a big part of this is we've seen a lot of government overreach. We see government overreach with money. We see government overreach with, with speech and censorship, which is another thing that you can do with Ravencoin. It's not just about tokenizing stocks or bonds. You can tokenize information so that it, let's say you're a token holder I can send you information to your wallet if you hold this token, and now you can decrypt information that I'm trying to send to you. So I was just—I just reached out to to um, um, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas yesterday because he was just banned from Twitter for 12 hours, and he's had all kinds of issues with censorship. And I said, "Listen, I already bought the token." Project Veritas. I said, I'll give it to you. And then let's figure out a way where you can use this, where you can give token holders of this Project Veritas a token, and then you can distribute your videos to them encrypted 
in a way that can't be shut down by big tech and is actually being hosted in a way that's not through an internet service provider. It uses something called IPFS. Well, I don't want to get into all the technical details on this, but basically it's a peer-to-peer file sharing kind of web protocol so that you can make sure that you're not being censored. And so this, what I found with everybody that I've met in this community, and I have friends that I've met just online, I haven't even met them in person yet, but all over the place. I mean, probably 10 different countries, South Korea, there are thousands of people in South Korea that are absolutely passionate about Ravencoin because of their situation. You know, you don't necessarily think about the Korean war. You know, we think about the Korean war from one perspective, they, and they, they think about the Korean war as we've got North Korea, we've got this communist dictator right across our border threatening us. I mean, I know one of the main guys in South Korea has said, live, live free or die is, is their motto as well. So this, this coin, it, it's this project is a movement of people all over the world that are absolutely passionate about decentralization and censorship resistance. And, and so yeah, that's why no one raised a bunch of money, like in the case of Ripple, to go out and say, buy this, buy this, pump this, pump this. It's going to go to, I think the thing was $589 at one point was what people were talking about with XRP. $10,000. Uh, how much? 10000 yeah, yeah. That, that, if, you, if you look at the number of coins, there was a point in time, I actually just found this tweet last week. The founder of Ripple was for one moment in time, the wealthiest man in the world in, I believe, January of 2018. When, when, the, when we had this bubble, we had bubble 1.0 for crypto. And for this slight moment, this guy, Chris Larson from, from XRP was, was the richest, richest man in the world. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, but all of these, huh? For what, like a day? For like a, an instant, like, I mean, it, it shot back down. Yeah. But, but I mean, still like to come out of nowhere and, 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 and you have all of these people, this XRP army of saying, I'd never heard 10,000, I always heard 589. But you multiply the number of tokens they have by 589, it's like, that's more like, that, that isn't even plausible, right? It's, it's, it's larger than the global economy kind of thing at, at, at that price level. That's why XRP is in trouble because they were paying people to go out and spread that information and to buy more, more of the of, of the coin. Ravencoin is completely completely different. There's a fixed supply of Ravencoin. There were only there were, will only ever be maximum 21 billion Ravencoin. That's the max. But every time somebody creates an asset, like if I register the token name Project Veritas, or I register a token name for your podcast, it burns 500 Raven coins. So that comes off of the, of, of the total supply. So the more tokens are registered, the smaller the supply. And so you can see how, you know, obviously it becomes more valuable over time as more people are using it, more people are creating assets, um, et cetera. So, so we could actually say, okay, we want to create our own token called the Resistance Chronicle, and it can be yes. off of, no kidding. So we, we, cool. We've been talking about doing merch, so I don't know. <laughs> that might be a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you, you absolutely could. And you mentioned, and I bought, I bought a piece of silver, or a piece of Ravencoin, you know, stamped silver from one of these guys in South Korea. He, he, he sent it to me from South Korea, and it was the first mobile transaction. I used the mobile and I downloaded an app on my iPad mm-hmm. and uh, he sent me the piece of silver and then transferred this unique token and that's it. And I've got it. It's permanently on the blockchain. How, how would you recommend that people, 
buy and hold their Raven coin or any crypto for that matter. I use Binance myself. Um, I was on Coinbase and, and I just didn't like it. I was reading bad things about it. Um, I, I couldn't really tell you what was bad about it. You probably know more about it than I do. But then I found Binance and I actually found Binance right around the same time I found Ravencoin because I wanted to buy Ravencoin and they didn't have it on Coinbase. So I, I hopped over to Binance, moved everything over. And now I just keep it on there. I don't know if a hardware wallet is best or, or to go straight through the, to, the, to the actual Ravencoin or, or whatever crypto you're, you're buying. It seems like all these websites have their own independent wallets too, but that seems like it's a lot to, to manage and handle. What's, what's your take on that? I mean, it, dep it depends on what you're doing and, and what your approach is. And I will say this, I don't trade cryptocurrencies at all. There are a lot of people that do that. Like, I mean, you see these people that get 50 times leverage and every day they're like, they're up, they're down, they're, they're you know, they're betting on the price swings. I don't do that at all. I mean, I, I, I you know, hold whatever cryptocurrency I have for the, for the long haul. So I don't leave anything on exchanges. I don't recommend that any, unless you're trading for a living and that's your day-to-day -day source of income. There's, a, there's an expression, not your keys, not your crypto. So if you don't take your crypto off the exchange, you can lose it. The very first two exchanges that carried Ravencoin went out of business. And there, and there are people that left the Ravencoin on those exchanges that only got a fraction of it back or, or lost all of it. Oh boy. There was a, an exchange early on in Bitcoin called Mt. Gox, which that was a massive situation where billions of dollars worth or hundreds of millions of dollars worth, or I guess billions now of, of Bitcoin were lost in a hack of an exchange. These exchanges go through, through, through problems all the time. And so you have to use them to buy initially your, uh, your crypto. But then I, I, I recommend either using the wallet that, that is specifically designed for each crypto, or you can even do things like get paper wallets where you, know, you, you have a, a piece of paper that has your public key and your private key, and you literally send the crypto to the public key that you have on this paper wallet. And you, it, until you're ready to do something with the crypto, like when you're ready to do something with the crypto, then you install the wallet and then you input your private key and then it'll it'll populate your coins into a, a the computer wallet, if you will. But it keeps it in cold storage. So if you're it, what's called cold, cold storage, because basically you've sent your coins to an address that's not even on a computer that's connected to the Internet. So you don't have to worry about getting hacked, you don't have to worry about any of those, those types of issues. Of course, if you lose your keys, you're, you have no one to consult and there's no technical support. I mean, it, it really is your money, but there's a lot of responsibility with having your own crypto and having your own keys. Oh, just like money. Anyway. So, well, it's like, it's like money anyway, but, but I, so, so I, I keep mine off of a computer just, just as, as a matter, but again, from my perspective, I'm not trading, um, and I keep it off of computer at a, at a location that's not where I am that, that, but that's just, that's, you know, kind of my level of comfort with this stuff. Uh, but I wouldn't leave it on exchanges because those exchanges, they also do, it's interesting. So the, this company square that the Twitter CEO runs, right. they, they, they've, they've made it so that you can buy Bitcoin. But if you look at it, you can buy a hundred thousand dollars a day. Of Bitcoin, but you can only withdraw $5,000 a day of Bitcoin. That sounds to me a lot like how banks work, where it's like a fractional reserve situation. And I feel like if everybody 
made a run on Square and said, I want to download my crypto and my keys, I don't think that they necessarily have all of that crypto available. That's another reason to keep your stuff off of, off of the exchanges. So now on the non-custodial, I mean, uh, when you go on the website to buy Ravencoin, you get a choice between um, non-custodial exchanges and custodial exchanges. Do you recommend one over the other or like a specific one is better? I think so. This this changes over time. There are thirty six exchanges yeah. now that, that that carry Ravencoin, and I'm going to go based on my recommendations based on people that have recently done transactions. I, I think your Binance is probably the best. Okay. Um, it's your, it's the best route to go right. at this point in time. Now, I will say this is a rumor. I, I don't necessarily want to spread a lot of rumors, although you've, if I've tweeted this. We have filled out the application for Coinbase. So, and Ravencoin meets the criteria for Coinbase. So, we expect at some point to be listed on Coinbase. Oh, okay. But we don't. But but we don't. We don't know when. In fact, there's something interesting that happened about two weeks ago. This is what actually created this whole. I've been tweeting about Ravencoin for three years, and for the most part, nobody cared until about two weeks ago, when. In one day, the price went up like 125%. And the volume is normally like five to $10 million a day. It was $500 million in one day. And the speculation was that that was Coinbase buying a bunch so that they could make it available to their customers. That was the speculation. The thing is, it's been two weeks and it's still not on Coinbase, which means there may be somebody else that knows a hell of a lot more than, than a lot of the rest of us that's buying up a massive amount of Ravencoin. So, well, I mean, there's all there's speculation about really. So there have been, so remember, you can tokenize any asset, silver. You, you, could, you, you can use it for a current, a country could use it for their, their currency. Um, the, the, a recent security token offering was launched. It's the largest Asian real estate security token offering. It's called Tanaga Resorts. So this company is basically selling off a fractional ownership in this luxury resort in the Philippines, and they're using the Ravencoin platform to do that. So that was a successful launch. It was just announced that there's going to be the largest fine art security token offering ever which is a $150 million Sapphire that is going to be sold through a security token offering. So you can buy a fractional ownership in a, in the world, just Sapphire. It's called Millennium Sapphire. My point bringing this up is there are big use cases already for Ravencoin. And there are rumors that around the March, April timeframe, there are going to be a couple of other really large corporate players that are going to be launching some tokenization projects on Ravencoin. So I think a lot of that is why people are excited because finally, after three years, we've proven that you can successfully tokenize securities, which is the main use case for Ravencoin. And, and, and it works and we're integrated with exchanges and everything else, which is a, which is a huge milestone for Ravencoin. And there was a lot of development. I mean, it, it wasn't, when the thing was started, nobody knew for sure if it would work. I mean, you have to get the, you have to get buy-in, you have to get miners to work on it. You have to change, you know, the, the, the code. It's not like, it's not a cut and copy of, 
of Bitcoin. That's the base of it. But the stuff that allows you to create tokens and everything, that's all custom code. That's all the secret sauce of Ravencoin. And nobody knew for sure if it would actually work. And it does work. We've proven that it works. Now it's about getting mass adoption. So we're at the mass adoption stage, which is why I think a lot of people are very excited about it at this point. It's almost like a revolution in money. It's a, it's a revolution in money and assets. And, and, and you know what? The thing is, I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I, I, I'm struggling. I've been so close to this for so long. It's hard to take a step back and, and try to explain it to somebody that knew that's coming into it. And, and I realized that and I've actually been trying. If you've been looking at some of my tweets, I'm trying to get solicit feedback on how, how do we take this a step back? Because you start saying assets and then a lot of people are like, oh, this sounds like something an accountant would talk about. It's like it sounds boring. And the truth is assets are, are literally everything. Anything, any physical or digital thing is an asset. I mean, we're talking about something that's quadrillions of dollars, but I haven't been able to figure out a way to describe this yet. But the best way I can describe it is Ravencoin makes free markets truly possible everywhere in the world. You can take any asset and make it available, tokenize it on the blockchain and make it available for trade anywhere in the world for fractions of a penny for transaction costs. It is as close to true free markets as you will ever get. That's why I'm, that's why I'm excited about it. Um, and, and so there are a lot of interesting use cases and things that people are, are, are creating and coming up with. Uh, I was just hearing they had a development meeting today for Ravencoin and you know, somebody's creating a, a file system based on Ravencoin where you can store your files. And again, they're essentially in the cloud, but the cloud is a peer-to-peer -peer cloud and it's encrypted. So just, just amazing things being, being created by the community. So just, just to wrap my kind of head around it, when, and when you talk about assets, because that's one thing that I have a, a confusion about. I, I hear all this talk about assets and there seems to be a lot of buzzwords in it. So let's say I had some sort of uh, widgets and, and I wanted to, I guess, I wanted people to invest in my widgets or the Sapphire, right? So, so you can buy into this Sapphire. So this person will give you coins and those coins are pretty much what? Just a representation of the Sapphire that's there. And then because you own it's it, right, it, connected directly to it, the it, Sapphire. It, it's like owning shares in a company. So yeah. you, you basically, own, you own shares in a, the company owns the Sapphire and you're buying your percentage ownership in that Sapphire. And then you can trade your percentage ownership in that Sapphire, because now that it's a token, that token can be made available on an exchange to trade, which that's hard to do right now. The only people in order to become a publicly traded company, you have to go through all, all of these hoops. O only companies that are you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars can, can even justify going public at this point because of all of the costs of legal compliance and auditing and doing all of this other stuff. It's something that, that only large companies can do. But what you can do with blockchain and tokenization is that it's, it's gonna make it possible. I mean, I use as an example, $150 million Sapphire, but this, you could literally tokenize shares in a lemonade stand or local businesses. I'm actually less interested about the Wall Street part than I am about helping small business raise money. Would it be great if, you know, your local restaurant, if the guy was trying to raise money, his customers could invest. That's almost impossible to do right now with all of the regulatory burden and everything else. But you can go in and say, hey, I like this restaurant. You pop up an app on, on the cell phone. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy 
in my local restaurant. And then they pay you dividends through this token that you then get sent to your wallet on your mobile phone. This changes finance for everybody globally. This makes it so that everybody can raise capital and that everybody can invest. Anybody and so it democratizes this. Unbelievable. Yep. You, that, that's it. You just cleared it up for me. Yeah. That, that explained it perfectly. You're, you're basically saying that you become your own Fortune 500 company. And, and, and you're, if you create a coin based on, on you or your business or your lemonade stand, you can issue the, the coin as, as shares of that. I, I, I think I get it. I think I've got my head wrapped around it. Not only can you do that, but there's some things that are built into Ravencoin that are really special, like the ability to do dividends. So you could be a token holder anywhere in the world. Like if you think about it right now, even the way, and I'm trying to figure out how to explain this because people wouldn't believe how archaic public stocks are. Like I said, there's one company that houses all of the stock certificates mm, and then like moves them around every, every two days. But you think about it, it's like General Motors has a, has a dividend. Think about all of the stuff that goes into, well, they don't even know who their shareholders are because actually only this one company, DTCC, owns all the stock certificates. You have this other layer of brokers. So when you buy a share of stock, you have an IOU and that broker has an IOU. So if, if, if GM is trying to send you a dividend check, this is a really a costly endeavor. They've got to like write the, the, like the actual administrative costs and everything else. With, with Ravencoin, if you have a token, I can send a, a dividend to you. I automatically know what percentage you own. I know how many tokens you have. Uh, and so you get dividends. You get you know, X number of Ravencoin or Bitcoin based on the number of tokens that you have in this business. It's all automated. There's no paper processing. There's no checks. There's no banking. It's an automated process. It makes it cheaper, faster, easier for everybody to not only raise money, but to communicate with your shareholders. You can vote as a shareholder through the wallet and through the token. You can receive information uh, about the company and reports through the token. You can receive your dividends through the token. I mean, it's, it's just, it's amazing what you can, what, what this does in terms of making it so much easier, faster, and cheaper for everybody to raise money. And, and I'm just talking about the United States, but this is not, this is global. This allows people anywhere in the world to be able to raise money for their projects. So I, I see the centralized banking system and fiat money, especially the Federal Reserve. We both dove into the Federal Reserve and, and I can say it's, it's probably uh, started with the Titanic and then the secret meeting at Jekyll Island and blah, 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 and, and, and all that stuff. It, it seems like that central banking system that's overseen by the central bank, it's debatable on, on who that is, has their tentacles like an octopus in everything. How long before they start sinking there? their claws into this stuff and trying to regulate it or end it or, or, or push it out of, out of business and, or, and basically bully it out. Okay? Or can they, can, can they, they even do that? Well, this is why I'm passionate about it. And again, the political stuff and everything aside, the reason I'm involved with Ravencoin is censorship resistance and decentralization, but this is why it's important that you have your own keys. They're not going to go quietly. They printed more money last year. I mean, I can't even remember what they're, what are they up to now? $6 trillion. It's, it's unbelievable. And what they're doing has been tried before. It's failed every time. Like we're, we're, we're hyperinflation's already started, even though they're lying and saying the inflation number, anybody I know that's buying a house, buying gas, if you're buying groceries right now, you're paying more money. And the minute the COVID thing goes away and people can start traveling, you are going to see that the hyperinflation is going to be instant. And so uh, people, obviously now even corporations are, you know, Elon Musk 
put $1.5 billion of Tesla's money into Bitcoin. There are multiple corporations now saying, listen, the dollar's not safe. If I'm a big company and I'm sitting on a bunch of cash and that cash is losing value, it's, it's, I'm not doing my fiduciary responsibility for my shareholders by holding onto this cash. I'm putting some of it into crypto. But they will try to regulate it. And what they'll do and the way that they'll screw people over is if you're if you're using PayPal or Square or you're keeping money on, on U.S. exchanges, they're going to start regulating. You're going to have to register the money that you have on those exchanges and they're going to register the, you know, your address and, the, and those particular tokens. And what started out as something that's supposed to be decentralized and censorship resistant is going to become something that is much less private than fiat. And so they will try to do that, provided you get ahead of the curve and you basically get crypto and you have your own keys, then you have one step ahead. But I, I mean, I anticipate this could but the government has confiscated gold before. We've had bank holidays before. Um, and, and I actually expect as a form of protest, I think you might see if you take what the Wall Street bets people did with with GameStop, I think you're going to have a you'll see an organized bank run at some point in the next year or two. As a, as a way to counteract the activities of, of the regulators and in, in, in the banks. But yeah, no, it's, it, it's a war. The war is between centralization and decentralization and the other side's not gonna go down without a fight. So I, I look at this as, I, I look at Ravencoin as the, the purest play in decentralization. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sold, Come man. On, I, I wanna go and buy some more Ravencoin before it starts. Uh... <laughs> Uh, go, going up even more and, and, and getting less affordable. Um, I, I think that's awesome. Um, I, I really got no more questions. You, you really, what, what you said with what assets are, that was the hardest thing I was trying to figure out was what is that? And, and yeah, man, you, you cleared it up for me. Thank you. Yeah, you I, I just want to know where to start because get, I'm getting into it. I didn't really know what it was. And I just wanted some information. He's seeing the profit that I'm making, and yeah, he, he like, I, want right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it hasn't always gone. I mean, I've been in since the very beginning. I mean, in the last uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, the thing had been on a downward spiral for like a year and a half. So, I mean, it's 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 not all it's not all roses with 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 this. And and what I, I try to say to people is, I mean, it's an open source project, like. I, I've because a lot of people have come to me and they say, well, how do I get involved? How do I download? Well, who do I go to for support? Well, there isn't anybody to go to for support. There are a lot of things that are built on Raven that people are doing trial and error. And then they decided to abandon the project and people are like, well, can I get support on this? Well, no, there's I mean, it's you know, it's it's really early stage technology. But there's a um, there's Ravencoin.org, which is the main site that has general information. There's a uh, if you guys use do you use Discord at all. No, that was the one that uh, I don't really. Yeah, I, I couldn't get into it. I yeah. maybe I just didn't give it a chance. I'm trying to figure out Telegram right now, um, but yeah, I could use. I think I still have Discord installed on on the computer too, so I could easily get. I only use Discord for. I only use it for Ravencoin, but but there's a. If you go into the Ravencoin Discord, there there's a help desk there. There's a information about mining. There's a section on market and price where people talk about market and price. And then every week there's a development meeting there. So the development meeting takes place only through text chat, but you'll have the lead developer, Tron Black, and some of the other developers there going through an agenda, talking about what's going on. I mean, it's the, to me, I've never experienced it.
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron, I don't know if you can hear us. You're frozen up on us. So Discord is where you'll find the developers once a week, and then you'll find you know part of the part of the community. Twitter, frankly, has more people. And more people are being exposed to it through through Twitter. So that that's kind of why I've been trying to figure out how to put together videos. And, and because when the price, it's it's also a little counterintuitive. Usually, you would think, well, as the organization is building more things, the price goes up. In this particular case, the price goes up, which attracts more people to it, and then they start building on it, which is it is what it is. That, I mean, that's actually just part of how crypto works. But there are a lot of new people coming on. And so I, I'm, I am trying to put together a 60 second overview. Like, what is the simplest? Like this, this dialogue we're having right here is very helpful. Like, like, how do you say assets? Because even when you look at the video on the ravencoin.org site, it's a lot of buzzwords. I mean, you, you look at the thing, it's like asset awareness and this, this and this. And it's kind of like you got to unpack all of it. And I was trying to explain to somebody, it's like, well, okay, even, even using decentralization and all that other stuff. Um, I tried to boil down why tokenization is, is really useful for companies because um, the, the suits steal from you. So why not have a system based on rules, not rulers? That's essentially what having this blockchain allows you to do is, is not is get rid of that corruption and, and not have it such a crony inside inside deal. But um, we're working on this. I mean, again, it's an open source project, but there are different people working on different videos, different ways of describing it. Mining is key though. Hooking up your computer to do mining, to actually solve these math equations and to, and to put the transactions onto the blockchain, that is a big part of, of this whole thing. And I, I won't get into too many of the details, but we're the second most profitable coin to mine right now in the world behind Ethereum. But Ethereum is moving from a proof of work model, meaning, where you have these computers solving these math problems to a proof of stake model where you're relying on people, the, whoever owns the most Ethereum and, and puts up that Ethereum, they're given more weight in terms of deciding which transactions to add to a block. I think that defeats the point of decentralization. But when Ethereum moves to this new model, all those miners need somewhere to go. So I believe that within this year, Ravencoin will be the most profitable and will have the most miners of any coin besides Bitcoin. But I mean, in this realm of um, something that people can actually mine using their graphic processors and their, their video gaming computers. And I actually hope that the Wall Street bets crowd, because they're trying to bail out GameStop. So you obviously have a lot of gamers. I would encourage them to take their gaming equipment when they're not gaming and mine Ravencoin so they can earn money and be a part of securing the network. Because that, that's the best way you know, if you want to stick it to Wall Street, you're sick of these hedge funds ripping everybody off. You can't play their game and win. They'll win no matter what. It's kind of like you want to go, you want to do a short squeeze and you want to buy and drive the price up. They'll change the rules in the middle of the game where you can't even do that. And so it's rigged. So my suggestion is stop playing with the stock market, build the new decentralized market that uses, you know, uses blockchain technology and gets rid of all of the, the corruption in the markets. So that's, you know, I, I hope more people mine in addition to 
buying it and reserving your own tokens, reserve your own token names. I think 25,200 token names have been registered so far. So when you register a token name, it's unique. No one else can register that token name. So I don't know how many of those are, you know, those represent 25,200 potential projects that may be built on Ravencoin. So do you think we'll ever come off of the dollar fiat currency? You think we'll be talking sats instead of, instead of dollars soon? I, I think we will. I don't use a bank account anymore. I, and, and so it depends on who, who you are. I actually don't hold any fiat. I, it, it, and if I need to, then I'll figure out a way to convert to fiat. There's another guy that you might want to talk to at some point, Joel Valenzuela. I don't know if you've heard of, of him. Oh. Uh, he's another member of the Free State Project. He's been living unbanked on crypto since 2015. No there are a lot of people. New Hampshire has the highest percentage of cryptocurrency usage per capita in the United States and pro probably the world. Um, I was first exposed to Bitcoin in, in 2012. I remember being at uh, the, the, the Free State Project hosts two events every year. We have a Liberty Forum and a, and a thing called Porkfest. In 2013, I went to Liberty Forum and I actually used an ATM. I used a dollar to buy part of a Bitcoin at an ATM in 2013. Uh, there are a lot of people in New Hampshire that have been on the cusp. I met Vitalik, the founder of Ethereum at, at Porkfest. And a lot of the people, there's another guy you'll, you'll hear about if you haven't already, Roger Ver. He's, he's known as Bitcoin Jesus. He, he's the main guy behind Bitcoin Cash. Mm -hmm. he, learned, he learned about Bitcoin from uh, two other free staters, uh, Mark Edge and Ian Freeman, who run Free Talk Live. Mark Edge, those guys. Uh, ripple effect um, the, the other day. Yeah. Mark, Mark Edge is good. Yeah. Keen. Yeah. He was talking about Bitcoin being used all over Keen. You can go from the burger shop to, to the you know store across the street and, and use Bitcoin. I'm totally sorry for cutting you off there. But he, the, the, when you said Mark Edge, yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. He's awesome. Yeah. No. So Mark is the one who introduced Roger to it. Roger is the first ever investor in companies building on top of Bitcoin. The first one ever. He really is the, he's called Bitcoin Jesus because he would go around giving people Bitcoin in 2012, 2013, 2014. I mean, he still does. He still gives away Bitcoin cash. Now he's there, and I won't get into the history of what happened with Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash, but needless to say, Roger goes all over the world and tries to get businesses to sign up to take Bitcoin cash at point of sale. So I've seen this guy, I, I watch his stuff and I'll see him and he'll be in Slovenia one, one day and he'll be in the Carib Caribbean one day and he'll show it. He's at this restaurant at this place, getting up to do transaction. He's done a lot. In fact, I, he, he, he doesn't get a lot of credit for him. And you know, you'll see there's a lot of sniping. You know, you mentioned the thing about a lot of ire. There's not a lot of anger towards Ravencoin. You're right. There's not like, hmm. None. And, and, and I, I, I chalked that up to the community, the way it was launched and the fact that we didn't raise money to like annoyingly market people, I guess. But Roger's done a lot, I think, single handedly to promote the adoption and use of cryptocurrency as a replacement for fiat. So I do think we'll be off of it. But I, I worry more that we're going to have two, a two tiered society. I mean, we're going to have people on fiat and, and, and I feel bad about and I actually genuinely don't know what to do about if you're a senior citizen and you're on fixed income tied to fiat, you're in real trouble. 
Like, this is a real serious problem. I, I don't see how that ends well. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a, a great situation. What do you do as a senior? What are you earning? 1% a year? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be going through inflation at, while the dollar is, is declining in value. That's a real problem. And I can see one part of government implementing universal basic income and moving more towards socialism. And then you're going to have a whole other class of people that have their own money and have their own keys. And they may be engaging in black market transactions, but commerce will still flow, right? People like they can try to regulate it, but they're not going to be able to stop the flow of commerce. And and they technically can't stop it unless they shut down the internet. But even then there are ways around that. Like there's, but you know, if we get to the point where they're shutting down the internet, then we're in a different Different world situation altogether. Yeah. I think it was you that posted up. I don't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook, but it was a meme. And it was, um, this is how essentially the, the meme went was, this is the extent of business. I have some apples you want to buy. Do you want to buy them? Yes. And that should be it. There should be no interference. No, I have a, um, an LLC that, that I do for a private chef business that, that I have. And every year I have to fill out this, this um, form online. This is going to be my first year doing it. But I got the email. I'm like, why do I even have to do this? And I have to pay another hundred dollars so that I can get in my own car, use my own gas on my own time to buy my own food for these people to go into their house and cook the food for them. No one would even know I'm doing that, but I ended up setting all that up because I was scared. I, I didn't know what to yep. do. Now I'm not so scared. And I think I'm going to start getting my kids involved in this, in this free market stuff. We're doing a lot with homesteading. We have a guy coming on next week that he's from uh, Oregon out in the Portland area. And he runs an underground bootleg farmer's market where he got together with a bunch of people from freedomcell.org, set up a freedom cell in the area, and they do a farmer's market and they go in with their phones and, and they pay each other with Bitcoin for stuff that they've either grown or made or, or, or whatever. And, and they're all surviving and thriving. And underground it's a, farming. It's a great community. And unfortunately, that's the way it's going, it seems. Yeah. That, that, that's absolutely the way that's going. And I, I know increasingly number eight, and I actually see... You know, it's one of those things is I've been involved in liberty activism for 12 years. And I mean, I ran a think tank. I've, done, I've even done some other stuff. And, and now I'm at the point where I was trying to convince people philosophically as to why you should do this. Now I'm just like, dump fiat, get crypto. We're moving into hyperinflation. Like I, I, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm being more direct now just because it's like you're seeing the train wreck happen live. And you need to warn people to get out of the way. This isn't a 10 years from now, the baby boomers might do this and this might happen. No, we are in the middle. When you fast forward five years, I've been talking to people about this. It's kind of like when you read a history book, you know, you'll read about World War II and you'll come away with this sense of, well, everybody was engaged in hand-to-hand combat everywhere in the world at every moment in time during this period. Well, that's not actually what was going on. In fact, if you're in the United States, there was no fighting here other than Pearl Harbor, right? But yet when you're studying that period of time, it seems more intense. When you look back at the fact that the murder rate has increased at, at the, the highest level, it's like 30% increase in the murder rate in major cities year over year. So civil rest, you're already seeing the devaluation of the dollar. I think when you look back at this five years now, you'll look at this as the beginning of the, of the civil war. People will peg, well, this was the point at which this divergence happened, right? We're living through the unraveling of this. 
right now. And I, I think it's going to be harder for the government to cut this off. My biggest fear is what they're going to do, though, is they're going to take Bitcoin and they're going to try to turn it into Fedcoin. That is my, my personal belief, because you now have all these institutions doing it. So now what they're going to say is, well, Coinbase, anybody that bought from you, we know if they withdrew their funds, okay, well, we know what address they withdrew it to. And when they set up their account, you have to get all this information. You have to put in your driver's license. You have to validate. You have to go through all these anti-money laundering rules. And so now all of a sudden, the government can track all of your transactions, which is less private than fiat, right? And so then at some point, they can just say, well, it, it, MasterCard just said they're going to start allowing crypto. Uh, they're going to start you know, processing crypto. But, but if you, I actually, somebody else forwarded on the contract. They didn't specify which cryptos, but they said, well, but they not all cryptos are the same. And the only cryptos that we're going to take are the ones that comply with all the anti-money laundering rules and this, 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 and this. Well, again, in other words, you're going to lose your privacy. If you want to be able to use MasterCard with your crypto, that means the government's going to be able to track every single one of your transactions. And I fear that that's going to happen. With that said, this is why there are a lot of different cryptos. And who knows in the end what's going to end up, end up happening. But Bitcoin was supposed to be used as cash. The whole point, the white paper says peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash for the world. And the idea was it was supposed to be cheap to use. And it was supposed to be for everybody. I think right now the average transaction fee on Bitcoin is $21. I mean, you can't buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. You, you, you can't wait hours and pay $21 in fees to use crypto. Right. And so that's a whole other yeah. topic of, of, of discussion. But this is why Bitcoin has essentially become digital gold. So you, you basically park large amounts of money there to keep the money safe, but you can't use it for day-to-day -day transactions, just like you can't use gold for day-to-day -day transactions either. It's not like you can take a gold bar to a grocery store and buy groceries with it. Um, but there are, and, and Ravencoin can be used for this. It's not the, the purpose. I actually just sent a friend of mine Ravencoin last week. And it costs something like one one hundredth of a cent. That was the transaction fee. And it was nearly instant. Crypto allows microtransactions. And so to give you a sense of some of the other applications, you know, all of this stuff with big tech and social media and censorship, I mean, these services are free because we're the product, right? Getting information on us. They're mm -hmm. selling that information to advertisers. The services aren't free. But part of what crypto allows you to do is to do microtransactions. So rather than Google knowing all of your information, you could have an alternate search engine where you pay a tenth of a cent to do the search, where you're not the product. You can do these kinds of micropayments. Uh, and I've been playing around with that. There's some interesting, um, there's a company called Twitch, uh, which not a fan of the name, but it's like Twitter, <laughs> except you pay to post okay. and people pay to your comments and everything else and you can actually earn money while posting it costs like three cents to do a text post it costs <coughs> based on the image size it may be you know eight cents to 20 cents if you're posting an image but then when people like or share they pay and then you get a part of the economics there's a, a company called library here in new hampshire uh, which is which is they don't like this I, uh right so so library is another one where you earn you earn money um, you, you pay to post your stuff, but you can earn money and people can uh, can basically tip you for your content. And, and it's not an ad supported ad supported network. That's the way that that's the real future. I, you know, my I started as an entrepreneur 25 years ago during the dot com era. I started an e-commerce company a week before Amazon 
was founded. So I went through the, the internet boom and I went through that. And, and I, I like to say that the blockchain revolution is, is a thousand times more impactful in terms of how it's going to transform society than, than the internet was. Um, it's really that, that fundamental. I mean, I, I think most of the big tech companies, as you see them right now, five to seven years from now, are not going to be the major players. You're going to see somebody like Library, somebody like Twitter. You're going to see completely decentralized solutions that use micropayment instead of models that are supported by advertising, and it's going to change the face of everything. And people are going to have their privacy. They're going to be decentralized, and it's going to be a completely different way for people to do things involving microtransactions, but it's going to you know, it's going to be an order of magnitude better than what we have right now. <clears throat> so you mentioned um, library and then they have a, a, a mirror um, site called Odyssey. It's, it's, it's the best YouTube alternative they've ever seen. Since you plugged them in, in, or mentioned them, I also wanted to mention too, and maybe you haven't heard of them, is float.app, F-L-O-T-E, a uh, gentleman named Kingsley Edwards and his wife, um, uh, started it as a Twitter, Facebook kind of all around social media alternative. So it wouldn't be a place like an Odyssey where you go and post videos, but it would be a place where you go and, and put your tweets up. The platform's fantastic. They do the, the same thing with cryptocurrencies. I think what they did was they created their own and they kind of use that as bargaining. And when you sign up for your account, you get X amount of it. And then as you post and interact within the platform, you, you get more and more. Um, so it's, 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 it's just a super awesome um, uh, application, a super awesome platform. And the owner, Kingsley, I was going through his um, posts on Float, and he had mentioned Ravencoin a couple of times. So it looks like he's a fan of Ravencoin, too. So the name is out there. And uh, we've, been going wow, okay. for, we've been going for about an hour now. I don't want to take up too much of your time. If, if you want to stick around and, and chat with us, you're more than welcome to. If you got to run, I, I'd say, you know, let's let's get your, your information and where we can find you. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's up to you. I just I just know we've been at it in an hour and I don't want to I don't want to kill your time up. I've got I've got a few more minutes. If, if it's if it's all with you, I've got a few more minutes. Absolutely. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm having a blast with this conversation. I'm learning so much. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Yes, Thank you. Yeah, I'll check out. I've seen float. I've seen the float name pop up. I haven't used it yet, but now I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, you mentioned the Ravencoin connection, so that's yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to check that out. It's a little clunky to get started with. It's it's like any time you're learning something new, right? You, you you get you know one one process that you're used to, and then all of a sudden you're trying to do the same thing. But you know this this section is here, and this section is here, and, and it takes a little bit to get figured out. But once you do. Uh, it's their app. They have an app for the phone. I don't know if they have it for Android, but they definitely have it for iPhone. And it runs off of um, a thing. I think it's called Test Flight. And then from there, that's where the beta version of the app is. So you, if you, if you go onto like okay. go and search, I, I've, I've done, I've done test. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've done, I've done Test Flight. Check it out. I, I love it. Vagabond Chef seventy nine on there on Twitter. <laughs> Okay, excellent. Very good. Um, no, you don't have anything? No, I got it. He no? answered my questions. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted a better general idea on what this was. Uh oh. Uh, no. you, you cut out on me there. I, 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 I know you no, no, I'm just saying, you, you know, you, you, 
you answered my there. Well, you know, I had questions. You pretty much answered everything I had. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming out. This is very, very helpful. Thank you so much. I have one more thing since you said you had a couple of minutes. Um, and, and just going back to the, the, the buying of, of crypto and the buying of Ravencoin, I noticed when I'm on the exchanges, you got a limit, a market, and a stop limit. And then you can also just go put buy and, and have your checking account linked and it takes it right out of your checking account. Can you explain a little bit, maybe before we go, what the differences between limit, market, and stop limit are? We lost them again. I don't know if it's our Wi-Fi. I don't know. I, I'm seeing one bar here next next to your name. I don't know where. I'm seeing yours with one one bar. <clears throat> It's, turn off the Wi-Fi. It seems like we're back, though. Did you get any of my question? I, I didn't, no. Oh, okay. So I was wondering, when you go into these exchanges, what the difference is between limit, market, and stop limit? Damn, I had it. This is actually a good question. All right, here we go. We're, we're, I got you. Something about market limit. And that, that was it. Yeah, limit, market limit, and stop limit. What, what's the difference when you're looking to buy any of these uh, coins on, on any of the exchanges? Well, you can either buy at whatever the market price is, or you can put in an order at a specific price. And, and that buy will only happen if that's where the market price happens to be at. So in other words, I know Ravencoin has been hovering around between 100 and 105 sats recently. Uh, uh, Binance and, and, and Bitrix. And so you could put in an order that says, well, I want to buy 5,000 at 99 sats. And then you put that order in. And if the price gets to that level, then that order is filled. But if it doesn't, your order might not be filled. Or you can just buy whatever market price is just to, to make sure that you get your order, order filled. That's essentially, that's essentially all, all, there, all there is to it. And I, you know, I've noticed when looking at the, the charts for this, and there, there's a lot of there are a lot of bots and a lot of people, actually, you know, putting in having computers put in the the pricing and the buy orders and the and the limit orders. Gotcha. Um, so I mean, for you know, again, I, I'm I'm not. I don't trade, so you know I, I just sit on the stuff for a long time. Like I'm a, this, to me, this is a long-term project, and the thing I'm most interested in is building on Ravencoin that is decentralized because we need it, whether it's for for markets to help people raise money or whether we need it to use these tokens to be able to distribute information to token holders in a censorship-resistant way. Now that big tech is cracked down, that's why I'm in it. So I, there are other people that are much better suited to talk about the nuances of, of, of trading strategies and everything else from them buy, buy, buy cold storage and don't touch it for a long time. That's my, that's my strategy. Um, but other people certainly, as I've seen on Twitter, have, have different approaches. Yeah, yeah. I'm only asking because I know there's a lot of people that are trying to get into this whole thing and they may see some of that stuff and, and get a little confused. But that that, that pretty much clears it up. And you're right, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that will be able to do that. So um, yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Um, yeah, that was really awesome. I appreciate the time. Can you tell uh, our, our listeners where, where they can find you? 
Best way to find me is on Twitter, uh, at Aaron Day Atlas. That's my handle, A-A-R-O-N-D-A-Y-A-T-L-A-S. Um, that's really the best place to get me at, at, at this point. Sounds good. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan, of, even though I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, I, but but I will say for for crypto, it's horrible for politics. I mean, I, and obviously, I I actually lost, I lost 800 followers in, in two weeks when when Twitter did merge. I mean, they were just completely booted off of the system, and I, and that's that's horrible. But Twitter is a great place for for crypto. I mean, it, it is hands down where I think most of the information is shared. Awesome. Good to know. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll link you up in the show notes there. Um, I, I think that's, that's all I got. I'm super happy you took the time with us. Uh, maybe there's another time you can come back on and we can talk some more as Ravencoin progresses and uh, you can come back and see, yeah, say, yeah, I was right. Um, I'd love to, I, 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 I'd love, I'd love to come back. Yeah. yeah or, or maybe great. We're, we're, we're in such close proximity here in the live free or die state. Uh, maybe we can get together sometime and, uh, you know, meet up at 603 for a beer and, and shoot the shit. Yeah. That sounds like a good subversive thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> that was good. Awesome, man. I appreciate you your so time, much. Aaron. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah. You too. Thank you.